I'm excited to share this message with you. I, I feel like this message is perfect for us in, in COVID. If you saw the, the title of this message, it was simply titled, Our Journey from Victim to Victor. What does it actually mean to live a victorious life? Let me tell you a story. It was May of 19, in 1940. The Allied French and British forces had been badly defeated by Germany in the Battle of France. Around 350,000 men, including the entire British army, were backed up against the sea at the port of Dunkirk on the coast of France. They were sitting ducks. Their days were numbered. They were certain to be wiped out at any moment. Just think of that for a second. 350,000 men. Far too many men to evacuate by sea. And the Germans were certain to take advantage. German planes only had to bomb and, and look for the troops from the sky. The British commander at Dunkirk issued a cryptic three-word message to all the people in England, he simply said this, but if not. People back then actually knew it was a reference to three Hebrews in the book of Daniel, of Daniel who refused to bow to King Nebuchadnezzar's image, saying, the God we serve will save us, but if not, we will not bow. It was a message of courage and defiance against impossible odds. The king of, of England issued a call for prayer and a call for help. The weather forecast changed. It grounded many of the German planes. And soon, nearly 800 fishing boats, yachts, and merchant vessels joined the, na the navy to ferry those soldiers to safety over the course of 10 very tense days. To this day, that story is called the miracle at Dunkirk. It turned certain defeat into a reason for hope. Apparent victims lived to fight another day and eventually emerged victorious. It's a story that still defines and inspires the British nation as many of the stories in the Bible define us and inspire us. They explain where we've come from. They shed light on who we are. They guide our steps as we move forward in life. We've seen the story of salvation in the previous weeks of our studies. These stories have foreshadowed the person and the work of Jesus. One story after another of how God takes us from death to life, from slavery into freedom, and now today from victims to victors. The stories of the Bible through the age of the patriarchs, like Abraham, like the Exodus, the wanderings in the wilderness, 
the conquest of, of Canaan, the period of the judges and the kings eventually led to the destruction of Jerusalem and the captivity of, of God's people in Babylon. The entire nation, the nation of God, was reduced to rubble. They were victims. And God allowed it. God even told about it prior, years prior with the prophets. But God had a plan, as he does with every one of us. His plan was to work redemption in such a way to turn them from victims to victors, from exiles to evangelists. And these stories today that we're going to study from the book of Daniel give us some inspiring insights about how God's great salvation changes us from victims to victors. Do you feel like a victim in COVID? Maybe today we can wrestle through that concept. Well, let me give you a little history of the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel is well known to have a relationship to the book of Revelation and all of its prophecies. But in Daniel, there's a story of some of the most faithful people in all the Bible. Daniel. He was age 15. He was one of the exiles that was forcefully taken from his homeland after King Nebuchadnezzar conquered Jerusalem and the kingdom of Judah. If you want to know how bad it was, I would encourage you this week to read Jeremiah and Lamentations. If there was ever a time to lose faith, this would be when it was. You're more than 500 miles from home. That's a long way. That you're among people who don't know God or worship God. But largely because of Daniel's faithfulness, he becomes an advisor to the very king that tried to make him victim, a victim, and his people victim. So today, if you have your Bibles, I want you to grab them, and we're going to look at Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 3, and Daniel chapter 6. There's three things we're going to study today. Let me just kind of point where we're headed. The very first thing that we're, we're going to study is this. I can be victorious because simply there is a God in heaven. Maybe you need to say that at home this morning. I can be victorious today because simply there's a God in heaven. We're going to study different parts of Daniel. This comes from Daniel chapter 2. Daniel had already become one of the king's many court advisors. And when none of the advisors could tell the king what his dream was, or even let alone interpret his dream, he issued an order to have them all killed. So Daniel, wanting to save these men, talked to a man named Ariarch, the king's assassin, who told him he could interpret the dream, so don't harm the others. Let's pick up that story. Chapter 2, Daniel chapter 2, verse 25. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, 
Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel answered, No wise men, nobody, an enchanter, a magician, a diviner, can explain to the king the mystery about what he's asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Your dream and the visions that have passed through your mind as you were laying in bed are these. Well, let's pause the story there for a second. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And because of that truth, you do not need to be a victim. You do not need to resign yourself to your current circumstances. You don't have to settle for the status quo any more than Daniel did. Daniel faced a royal decree, a kingly contract on his life. But what did Daniel say? But there's a God in heaven. You may feel like your situation is impossible. You need to proclaim, but there's a God in heaven. You may be burdened by some sickness or sin in your life. You need to proclaim today, but there is a God in heaven. You may see that there's no way to improve your marriage, to improve your job, to improve your dead-end life. You need to proclaim, but there is a God in heaven. There's a God in heaven who reveals mystery, mysteries, who can redeem you from your past, who can give you boldness and confidence in your future. This God can and will reveal what you need to know when your situations are truly desperate. Otherwise, he seems to let you try to figure it out on your own. Sometimes we don't ask him for what we really need. And because or because our situations aren't as desperate as we perceive them to be. And so we think we don't really need God's intervention. Isn't that true? That at least sometimes in our life we're so submerged in fear that we view our situation as not really desperate. We perceive it that way from our own limited viewpoint without remembering that God did not give us a spirit of fear. And there is very little fear, even in truly desperate situations, if God is with us. But that's not all. That's a great starting point. Daniel's story is your story in another way too. Because you can be victorious because my God is able to save. Say that out loud at home. I can be victorious because my God is able to save. We're going to jump into Daniel chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar had made an image of gold that was nine stories tall. This guy, this king, had lots of money and a great ego. He required that everyone should bow down to that statue or be cast into that fiery furnace and everyone did bow everyone followed except three young jewish men named shadrach meshach and abednego they refused at the risk of their life 
So let's pick up that story in Daniel chapter 3 at, at verse 13. Furious with rage, King Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my God or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn or the flute or the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, or if you hear any kind of music, you must be ready to fall down and worship the image I made because it's very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to him, King, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, King, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up. Verse 19, the king was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. His attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated up seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing fire. The king's command was so urgent that the furnace was so hot that the flames of that furnace killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. All right, that's a pretty amazing story. But what did these three men, these three young men, really have to lose? Couldn't they have just bowed down in their in an outward appearance, but in their hearts, really been true to who God is? Surely God would not have punished them if they went through the motions with the statue and then secretly worshipped God with their hearts. You and I can be in a similar position as they were. We too are children of God. We too have difficult choices. We too have to decide between compromise and conviction. We too can be victorious. Because as they told the king, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. Well, let's continue that story. Look down at verse 24. King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we threw in to the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, 
Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, the perfects, the governors, the royal advisors, all crowd around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies. There wasn't a hair on their heads that was singed. Their robes were not scorched. There was not even a, the smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angels and rescue, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied my commands and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or any language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, this does not promise that we'll never have to endure injury or pain. But remember this verse that's on your screen, Psalm 34, verse 17. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He, God, delivers them from all their troubles. We must remember this incredible faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego showed. They said to the king, God is able to deliver us. But if not... We're still not going to bow to any idol. I wonder if that was their moment of victory, even before they walked out of the furnace unhurt. It was their trust in God that was demonstrated through their loyal obedience that brought them the victory. Guess what? This is the same God that you and I serve. We can have that confidence too. God was able to save Noah and his family from the flood. He was able to save a whole nation from the slavery in Egypt. He was able to, to save the kingdom of Israel from oppression many times. And he's able to save and deliver us today. I can be victorious because there's a God in heaven who is able to deliver us from anything. And then finally, we need to proclaim this. Say it out loud at home. I can be victorious because my God was sent. My God sent. Years ago, during the, after the Persian Empire had taken over Babylon and new king reigned, Daniel was still being faithful, serving in the royal courts at age 82. He was still praying faithfully to God. Some guys who were jealous of Daniel's relationship tricked the king into making an edict that no one was to pray to any god or man besides the king for 30 days. 
I needed to ask myself this question. Have I ever been able to go 30 days without praying? I'm sure most of us could. Probably some of us have. What if you would be killed if you actually did pray? I bet you we could take that 30-day break pretty easily. Well, Daniel couldn't, and these guys knew it. Of course, Daniel gets caught, and we see another miraculous intervention for a man who showed that there was nothing more important than God. Daniel didn't care about his life. I'm sure he knew he was going to get caught. He didn't try to hide. He didn't close his windows. The king liked Daniel, but was forced by the law that he had made to throw Daniel into the lion's den. Now, I imagine that they made sure the lions in this den were very hungry. They, weren't, they didn't eat unless someone fed them, and they would get down to business pretty quick. Well, let's pick up the story in Daniel chapter 6, verse 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near to the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They did not hurt me because I was found innocent, blameless in his sight. Nor have I done anything ever wrong to you, king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out of the den, no wound was found on him because he trusted in God. Well, let's focus in just on verse 22 for a second. Notice what Daniel said. He said, my God sent an angel. Daniel was saved because God sent someone, specifically his angel. I'm pretty sure this is the same one that was sent for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Isn't that what we can all say? In our case, God sent his very son of God, even greater than an angel, if this angel wasn't Jesus himself. The most familiar verse in the Bible puts it this way, John 3.16, For God so loved us that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I can be victorious over temptation and sin because my God sent. I can be victorious over shame and guilt because my God sent. I can be victorious over death and Satan because my God sent. I can be victorious over all the evil and filth in this world because my God sent. All of us can be. I want to close this time by just looking at three things that were said in three passages that we read today. First is what Daniel said after the mystery of, of Nebuchadnezzar's dream was revealed to him in chapter 2. He said this, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, with whom all wisdom and might 
He changes the time and seasons. He removes kings and sets up new kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to all those who have understanding. God reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells in him. After Daniel's friends were saved from the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, King Nebuchadnezzar said this, No other god can save this way, can rescue this way. After King Darius says this, after God saves Daniel from the lion's den, he says this, For God is a living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He is the one who saved Daniel from the power of the lions. God clearly gives victory to those who are faithful. We see this pattern emerge in the Old Testament and it continues in the New Testament and it continues today. We have faith. That's first. And faith is always demonstrated by our actions. As we act in faith, God does some kind of miracle that only can be attributed to Him. Someone witnesses God's work because of that person's faith. And they come to believe and worship God. Then we worship the God who, that we have faith in even stronger than before. Well, let's ask a few questions here to wrap up our time. For many of us, has our worship in this season become dry and routine? You know, if the music doesn't stimulate us, if the sermon doesn't grab our attention and give us something, we're kind of disappointed with the whole thing. If we could just be done with this pandemic, if we could just get back into normal life, then I'll worship. If I didn't have to attend one more Zoom meeting or one more online church service, then I would worship. How many of us, even in this season, spontaneously worship God simply in the middle of the day because we just think so much of Him? Could it be that our worship has gone dry because our faith has gone dry? Can we even remember the last time we really stepped out in faith for God because we knew He could do something? You may be only given a few opportunities to do this and see God, so take advantage of it. Faith and true worship are the same thing if we believe what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. By the mercies of God, present your bodies, your physical self, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing and acceptable to God. This is how you worship. Notice what comes first in that passage. As you worship with the physical, it becomes spiritual. This is the pattern that you and I see. Faith makes us act, and the result of acting in faith causes you and I to worship with praise and glory because we know God will act. The majority of our world doesn't know God. And some is because we're not showing the world God. 
We may not even know him because we haven't been walking with him every day, allowing those opportunities to act in real faith and to see him. Making him more real to us than just an invisible spirit that is waiting for us to die and go to heaven. Showing Jesus to the world is more than reading Bible verses and being nice people. It is hard to trust an invisible God that we have never seen do anything else than just send Jesus 2,000 years ago. It's difficult to worship from a place of utter awe and reverence was when the last thing that we saw God do was read it in a book. Do you think Daniel was super confident when he went into the lion's den? We know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not certain. They said these words, He can deliver us, we know that, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to change. The world outside of the church needs to see that God is a sure God. But I'm afraid that we need to see God more so that we'll show more of Him to others. Just like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Just like King Nebuchadnezzar and King Darius. Once they saw God, they were never the same. Maybe in this season, what God's calling us to do is simply proclaim, it is well with my soul. Let's pray. God, thank you for the reminder from familiar stories, stories that we heard in Sunday school. God, thank you for the way that you, you are a miracle-working God. That when things seem hopeless, when things seem like there is no way out, you provide a way. And God, maybe the greatest reminder today is that you provided Jesus, the Son of God, to be a sacrifice for us so that we could even contemplate doing this. Thank you that you call us to be ambassadors, agents of restoration to a world that desperately needs hope. May this week we be kingdom-minded people who want to show the world that there's a God who is in, the, in control even in the midst of something we don't want any longer in our world. God, we love you and adore you. We ask all this in your most powerful name. Amen.